Good morning, church family. It's uh, awesome to be back, and I've been gone for a couple of weeks into Japan, and last week I was able to be in service, listen to Pastor Kevin preach. How awesome was that? And uh, it's great to be back. Pastor Corey said, you're going to feel good coming back, and to be able to preach when you're gone for a while. It feels good. It feels, I feel excited. I feel uh, ready to go, and uh, it's pretty neat. And what was also encouraging, last week we had our, a marriage retreat where Pastor Corey and Auntie Rain were able to encourage many couples. And everyone I talked to was just saying, so edifying, so encouraging. And one of the great things that uh, I heard is that people were able to grow in relationship with each other. Oh, I get to meet with this couple, and we were in a small group with this couple. That was awesome. And I know people are encouraged in their marriage and, and also encouraged in their relationship with Christ. So those are really neat things. In Japan, I had the opportunity to um, do many things. God just, just did amazing things. I mean, preaching Christ and his death and resurrection in the secular, to outreach events and, and just interpersonal things, being invited to people's homes and sitting in their living room and uh, meeting their in-laws and stuff like that. I mean, just got, got to build up, build up relationships. And it was also neat, and one of my highlights of the trip, so I was able to visit with a Brother Ian and Chi and, uh, and Sabrina Yi in Kumamoto, my mom's hometown. And it was neat. And what was neat to see, I just want to encourage you that we are supporting our missionaries who have been willing to leave home to be in Japan to minister the gospel. And they're doing wonderful things. And one of the things that I could see that the Lord has surrounded them was with good relationships. This picture with Ian and Chi, um, this is with Pastor Satan and his wife Emma. And I, I could just see the synergy, the, 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 the fellowship that they have as I was able to eat dinner uh, with them and, and, and with Satan's uh, and Emma's child, four children, wonderful children. You could pray for Brother Ian and, and Sister Chi as they're expecting in April, I believe. And so uh, Chi was shown, and, and uh, it's exciting. So uh, remember the Nagatas in prayer. Also with Sabrina, and it was interesting, they have three Asian access units, missionary units in Kumamoto. Kumamoto is like a, like, I don't know, think of Orange County, all right, like a big county. And they get together every other week to support each other. And one of the missionary units is a childhood friend of mine who I grew up next door, of all things, ever since I was one in Monterey Park, Kenji, Watanabe, and Elizabeth. And they have good fellowship. I see the relationships that God has brought together, and that was really neat to see. And so today's topic is really going to be about relationships. Jesus wept. Jesus wept for Mary and Martha and all of us, really. And this engenders a deep fellowship, deep relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's pray. I'm going to pray for our missionaries, our overseas missionaries, and I'm going to pray for the sermon as well. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for... uh, for our overseas missionaries who have committed to following you overseas, leaving home, leaving family, leaving comfort, leaving job, leaving things that are familiar, leaving things that are familiar such as even the English language and, and positioning themselves to be weak in the world. I thank you for the Nagatas, Lord. I pray, Lord, for this couple and this family unit. Lord, I pray that you continue to encourage them. Encourage, I pray that you continue to... Uh, Bless their relationships with, the, with Seta and his family. I pray for baby Nagata, Lord. I pray that you continue to form him or her in the womb, Lord. And I pray this little one will grow up to love you, Lord Jesus, and be the, the, just treasure you above all, Lord. 
Father, I thank you for Sabrina. Lord, I thank you for how you surrounded her with uh, great support. I thank you for the church that she's a part of. I thank you for the, the ministry that you've allowed her to do, Lord. Allow these people to serve you well in Japan, to be faithful to you, grace them to be faithful to you, to minister you, Jesus, in the gospel. Allow them to build relationships with the local people, Lord, indigenous people, Lord. And allow them to grow in their relationship with the ongoing ministries that they have there. I pray for Anne. And Lord, I pray for this sister, Lord, as she's ministering the gospel, Lord. Please continue to encourage her, provide her protection and covering, Lord. Cover her heart from discouragement or anything like that, Lord. Please give her discernment in how to minister you, Lord Jesus, and where she's at. So, Father, we thank you for these. Thank you for these faithful who, who, who you fanned the flame to leave home, to be there. Father, I pray for others in this church family, Lord, that you may be fanning the flame of, of long-term missions, Lord. Raise these missionaries up so that your, you, Lord Jesus, could be ministered around the globe, Lord. Fan that flame within us all, Lord. And God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we get to preach on John 11 and how, Jesus, you did weep, how you wept because you love us, you care for us. You hate what sin has done to your creation. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that we will love you more. We will see your son, Jesus, through the preaching of your word. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be out of John 11 today, but I really appreciated Pastor Kevin preaching last week, and I really appreciated his opening remarks, how he said that we're going verse by verse through the book of John, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to preach the word. So it would really help if you bring your Bibles and just follow along. Generally, how I preach, I just go right down the text as best I can. So if you bring your Bibles, you're able to just follow through. There's your outline right there. And really, the Bible is the greatest picture of who our Lord is. The Bible. So this is what we're preaching through today. We'll be out of John 11, verse 17. And just a little bit of context. Jesus and two sisters, Martha and Mary. These are the three main characters. There's always Jesus, and then here are two sisters, Martha and Mary. And a little bit of context. In, in, this, in Luke chapter 10, there's a... a it's a brief story of how Martha invites Jesus into their home and how Martha is serving. Many of us know this story. And Mary is just chilling at Jesus' feet, just enjoying him, just looking at him, and, and can't wait to see, hear what comes out of his mouth next. This is Mary. And then Martha's scrambling around, working, and she's getting out of sorts, saying, how come she, my sister's not helping me? And she even goes to the Lord and says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care about me? Why don't you tell my sister to help? This is, these are the two sisters, same sisters. So let's, uh, let's rise as we hear the word preach to keep that context in mind as we read and also see how Jesus ministers to these two hurting sisters. Okay, uh, John chapter 11, verse 17. This is God's word. This is a picture of our Lord and Savior. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Talking to Martha. She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Martha, her sister, I mean Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoled her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Verse 32, Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story, this historical account, how, Lord, you have cried for these and you wept. Thank you that we get this picture of you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we will love you more through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Isn't that a, a, a vivid story? you got two sisters who are grieving. It says that Lazarus has been dead for four days. All right, he's laid in the tomb. He's been dead. There's no doubt about it. Later on, uh, uh, Martha says, you know, why do we want to open the tomb? It's sure to stink. You know, there's going to be a stench there. Well, you know, he's been dead. There's no doubt about it. Lazarus is not just kind of in a coma. He's not in that comatose state. They know he's dead. He's wrapped up, and his body is decomposing in that moment. Martha, the first sister that shows up, she's a go-getter. All right, this woman is a woman of action. She hears Jesus is coming before even Jesus gets into town. She's going out to meet him. All right, and just keep that in context when she says these words in verse 21 and 22 about how she's wired. All right, and maybe where her faith is that Martha had an impersonal faith. All right, let me just read Luke 10, 40 for us. All right, she says this. This is a quote. This is, this is her words. Lord, this is when she's upset that Mary's not helping her serve. She's doing all the work. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Jesus, don't you care about me? She's questioning his character and, and his care for him. I mean, it seems like an oxymoron. Lord, do you not know? And then this is where she says, then tell her to help me. All right, so she, this, this woman doesn't mince words. She, knows, she says what she means. This is where she's at. So as we read verse 21 of, of chapter 11, let's keep that in mind. All right? I believe God is doing a wonderful work in Martha and perhaps us today. Verse 21 of, of chapter 11. Martha then said to Jesus, okay, let's keep that in mind, how she was in, in Luke. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Where have you been? 
You dropped the ball. You don't, do you not care? I thought you guys were friends. I thought we were friends, verse 22. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. All right, and Jesus realizes that this woman is hurting. Jesus realizes how she's wired. All right, and then this is how Jesus responds. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And what Jesus is talking about, he came there with the intention of raising Lazarus out of the tomb. This is not a future event. This is not talking about the rapture or when Christ comes back someday. They're talking about now. He's going to rise again in the flesh. But what was Martha thinking when Jesus said, he will rise again, your brother will rise again? Well, in verse 39, he says, she goes, no, nah, Lord, don't open up the stone or don't roll away the stone. It's going to smell bad. All right? She's thinking, no, nah. she's thinking something else, right? And she, her response is just a matter of fact, I know he's going to rise again someday in the resurrection. I know all that. I have good theology. I understand what's going to happen in the end times. So Martha has a, ha, ha, she has a very impersonal faith in Christ. She knows in the end, yes, Christ Jesus will take care of Lazarus. But there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Does, does Jesus actually care for me right now? This is a very impersonal kind of an applied faith for the future. Okay? And I believe Martha is a picture of many believers today. You know, we may have sound theology. We may have sound belief that Christ will redeem, has redeemed us. And someday in heaven, he's going to care for us and it's going to be all good. Which is true. Which is true. But that's an incomplete faith. It's not complete. This is, this is impersonal, too impersonal. Some of us believe in Christ. But does Christ care and love for us in the here and now, what's going on on this earth? What's going on in your life right now? Does he actually care about you right now as you're sitting there thinking about what's going on in life? Does he care? Does he rejoice with you with exciting news? Perhaps you got a grandchild coming. Perhaps you got a job promotion. Perhaps you're about to buy, on the verge of buying a new home. Perhaps your, children, your child got into the college of his or her dream. Is, is, maybe, is, do you believe that Jesus is rejoicing with you right now? But on the other side, just like Martha was grieving, do you believe that Jesus cares about your finances? Maybe you're struggling with the bills right now. Maybe that job promotion that you thought you are going to get, you're betrayed by someone you trusted at work and doesn't come. Maybe there's a death in your family family or friend, right? Maybe your response is like, Martha, Lord, if you'd been here, I'd still have my job. Lord, if you'd been here, I would not have been betrayed. Lord, if you had been here, I would not have gotten sick, right? Maybe that's the response. Lord, if you'd been here, my dad would not have abandoned us, abandoned me. Lord, if you'd been here, my marriage would still be good. Right? So this is like, but there, you know, you're a believer. You believe in that in the end, Christ will take care of it. But does he actually care right now? Does he understand? Does, did he drop the ball? Let's take a look at how Jesus ministers to Martha. All right? Jesus knows. Jesus knows this is a very hard time. Right? She's in some ways lamenting, perhaps. Jesus doesn't, rebuke her. She's, she's gentle with her. Look how, look how our Lord 
directs her focus. Verse 25, this is a massive text here. Jesus said to her, after all that, not from a submissive spirit, after all that, Jesus, our Lord, is gentle. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, he who believes in me, not in just some concept or some theory of Jesus, but who believes in me, a person. The gospel is about a person. It's about Christ Jesus. I remember Pastor Victor preached on the bread of, I am the bread of life. You know, Jesus is what sustains us on a day-to-day. Jesus is life himself. Is Jesus your life? We're not just talking about some concept or some philosophy of Jesus. We're not talking about some principle of Jesus or some idea, some vague idea of Jesus. We preach a person. His name is Jesus Christ who happens to be the God of the universe as well, your creator. This is a very extremely personal thing that Jesus requires of us. Remember, he asked Peter, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Right? It's very personal. Not do you love an idea, do you love a concept? Jesus is for now, not just in the afterlife, now and forever. If you are in Christ, you have the abundant life. But some of us may not be tapping into that abundant life if we don't know that personal side of Jesus. Just like Martha, there was no peace. Like, don't you care, Lord? Don't you care? That abundant life was missing. In order to have the abundant life, we must have a personal relationship, a deep faith, personal faith with Christ. Verse 27, Martha says, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. This is what a, a commendable response. Nailed it. But I believe Christ Jesus is doing a work in her. And I believe she's maybe in the background seeing this encounter that Mary has with her Lord eventually in a few verses coming up. I believe that Martha's able to see her, his brother resurrected. In chapter 12, you see a completely different Martha. Okay, you're going to have to wait to see how Martha ends up, but that's coming up in chapter 12. So there's some hope. If there's any Marthas in here, right? In some ways, I'm a Martha too. There's hope. Martha, God is, loves Martha so much that this is all part of it. He allowed Lazarus to die in some ways to disciple Martha through all this as well. This is how much he loves you and me, how much he loves Martha. Martha runs off after that statement goes, the, the teacher is calling, he's here and calling for you, Mary. Come. Mary gets up. All right, Mary gets up. All right, Mary has a personal, very personal faith in the Lord Jesus. Very personal. In Luke 10, 39, in that same scene, over the, that dinner scene in chapter 10 of Luke, it's quote, this is a quote, she had a sister called Mary, all right, Luke writes, who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his words. She's just absolutely consumed with Christ. Just wants to hear, what are you going to have to say next, Lord? What do you have to say next? I just want to hear you. 
Let's push, push pause on the world. and It's just you and me, Lord. And it's interesting, as Mary is found, uh, this Mary, Lazarus' sister, is three main stories about Mary, and she's always sitting at the feet of Jesus. And right here in verse 32 is no different. In the most intense times, his brother, the one that they love so much. Therefore, when Mary came, verse 32, back to John, where Jesus was, she saw him, she sees her Lord, the one that she loves, and she fell at his feet, she collapsed at his feet. And this is what she says. Same exact words as Martha, but I believe the tone, the sentiment is completely different. She collapses at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's hurting like, Lord, Lord, submissive spirit at the feet of Christ, personal faith. Verse 33 when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping. This word weeping is like bawling. They're bawling hysterically. Incredible pain, incredible sadness. Maybe perhaps some of the Jews are professional mourners, but Mary was bawling from her heart. She's struggling. She's crying. She said, Lord, this is so hard. And Jesus sees their tears. And it says right here in verse 33, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. This word deeply moved in the original language carries a different, more intense tone than just deeply moved. This, it, says, it means that he was greatly disturbed. In some sense, he, was in, he had intense rage. He was enraged about what was going on. He was extremely troubled to the point perhaps where he's trembling. He's so angry, he's trembling. There's intensity that our Lord shows in this moment. Why was he so upset? Why was he enraged? Is he mad at Mary and Martha or like just for, no. He's intensely angry at the effects of sin on his creation. Not just for Mary and Martha. Not just for Lazarus who gets raised up, but he's going to eventually die again physically. Mary and Martha are going to die eventually, the ones that he loves. You and I are going to die eventually sooner or later. This is all, every effect from Adam to everyone who's born, that it's the devastating effects of sin. Jesus sees all this. He knows how it's meant to be when he created man in, in the first place in the garden. Because that's not how it's meant to be. He's angry. He's like, wow, how could this have gotten this way? Absolutely troubled, troubled, shaking, intense rage. Well, this is where Jesus ministers to Mary. He ministered to Martha in a very gentle way, just kind of setting up the stage for Martha, but Mary is further along, I believe, in, in this way. Okay? Let's just take a look how um, Jesus ministers to our sister Mary. Verse 35. Shortest verse in, in, in the Bible, right? You know, this is, we could handle this one. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. This, is a, this weeping in the original language is more of a silent tears. There's tears. I could just see tears just running down his cheeks and just watching just the devastation that 
Mary, Martha, even everybody else, even thinking about you and me someday, just weeping, sadness in this way, this rage that have you been so angry for things like that's not right that it's caused you to tear up? And this gets very personal. It's very personal. Our Lord is a personal God. This is, Christianity is very unique in that sense. We have a very personal relationship with God, right? This is not just a transaction, some kind of business, a religious transaction that we're part of. We get to be friends with God, with Jesus. I remember a story, a um, personal story of mine, uh, and uh, I love this man very much. And this is in my old life here. And, um, I mean, and we, we grew up together in some ways. And, but things got hard relationally between us. And it, it's got difficult, you know. Life happens. Things happen. It's difficult for one reason or another. Well, what happened was he went through a hard time. His, his father passed away. And there was some tension between us. But you know what? That all goes out the door in those moments. You just go see him, and then I don't have much. I just hug him, and I wasn't trying to, but just tears just started coming down my face. It wasn't like one of those just intense, I wasn't bawling, but just my eyes were watery, got red, and started tearing up. We just hugged each other, and I left. It wasn't, I mean, what can I say in that moment, right? And that was it. And then, but from that moment on, our friendship just took off. I think there's a whole level that takes place when people, you know, I know he's got my back. I know he's my friend. But there's a whole different level when there's that type of emotion committed in relationships. I'm sure there's tears that are shed at that marriage retreat in the small groups. I'm sure there's tears that are shed, you know, as a big group. All right, that's something about tears, something disconnects our hearts. And our Lord is no different. He, we see his humanity. We see he is fully man, but his personality. This is some, not some stoic God like, all right, yeah, he died. You know, I, I see that you're upset. It's not that. This is like he's part of this. He's a part of this thing. In verse 36, it says this. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. It was obvious there was a crowd, and I think Martha's in that group. I think Martha's in that group. And see how he loved them. It's like Martha must be thinking, oh, man, he cares about us that much. It was obvious. And this word for love in original language is phileo. So not just some concept, a deep brotherly affection. This, our Lord cared and loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. There was an affection. He, he liked them. He loved them. There was, there was a friendship. It was obvious that he loved them. And in, in Japan, one of the great things I was so encouraged about was being able to talk about Christ and his death and resurrection in the secular realm. Okay? And so a couple of these events that we did was get to speak to the National Governing Board of Football in Japan. And then we got to speak to a couple of universities and their teams and their coaches. We got to speak to coaches in Tokyo and Osaka. And somehow the Lord, somehow the topic of Christ came up in, in the Q&A session. But I remember at one of the events, I just say, look, forgive me, guys. I love this nation. I mean, my heart is growing for this nation. And I just said, but forgive me. As I'm, but I just get the sense, I get the idea that perhaps 
there's something going on in this country, is what I told these people with the help of a translator. And what I said to them is what I sense is a, walking through the train stations, especially in Tokyo, I mean, it's intense. It's like Manhattan on steroids. It's crazy. It's just people are just walking. You got to walk in the right stream. You don't want to be in the wrong lane. You got to make sure you catch the right train. People are wearing their masks because they don't catch any colds or anything like that, you know. Everyone looks this way, looking at their devices, looking at their books. No one's really talking. It just, just woo-woo. It's intense. And I, I just said, I get the sense that this nation, which is a great nation, is longing for deep relationships. Longing. And I even talked to the coaches and the people of authority there and say, look, you have an opportunity to be a father figure for a lot of these players. Perhaps even a more real father figure than their own dads themselves. And as I share these things, some of these men, I mean, grown men, this is a, these aren't high schoolers, these are grown men, I mean, older than me even, in their suits, some of them, are starting to cry and they're starting to tear up. I'm like, what is going on? Somebody told me there, he's like, you know what, you know, in Japan, we don't, fathers, they don't tell you that, you know, they love you, and I get that, I didn't, I didn't grow up in that sort of a environment either in some ways, but... Because they know, but they know that the fathers care about them. And that, that may be true. Mar- I think Martha intellectually knew that Jesus would take care of her and her sisters. But did she know that Jesus actually loved her and cared for her in that moment? And so I get the sense, as, as people are perhaps shedding tears in those meetings, they struck a nerve. Obviously, they struck a chord. Either, man, they're like thinking about relationships they have. Like, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, that could be one, I'm hoping. Or, I've never had what you're talking about, coach. I have no idea what you're talking about. And inside the heart of man, we were made to live in community, right? And I just, I, some of the things that I pray for, just to let you know about my prayer life, is that we will continue to grow in fellowship here at Evergreen. I have, I have a specific prayer to every single one of us who considers Evergreen, their church family, their church home, would have two friends, two brothers or two sisters that you could just talk to, be a merry with, you know what I mean, and cry with, rejoice with, confess with, confess to, uh, talk about temptation, all these things. You know, and as I talk to the people of Japan, sometimes I feel like we're no far off from that sometimes. Are we in deep relationship first with Christ and then with each other? This is a massive thing that we're talking about here today. We may believe in sound theology. We may. You know, but Christ calls us as friends right now, and he cares for us right now. He wants to make sure you maximize your abundant life right now. And, and I believe it's the, 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 the mind of Mary. It's like sitting at the feet of Christ and just saying, Lord, you're my life. You are my life. You got me from here and forever. You're holding me. You're caring for me right now. You actually care about my bills. You actually care about my legal issues that I'm going through right now. You actually care about my job and my health situation. You also care about my family situation. You also care about my spouse and my children. And I believe one of the ways to sit at the feet of Christ Jesus is to receive prayer from one another. 
So every week we have opportunities to pray, you know, right there. And if, if, I would just encourage you. You come and commune with Christ here with, with that personal faith that you have that since we're hearing Christ, Christ is weeping for you. Christ is rejoicing for you, celebrating with you and some of the good things that's going on. After you commune and spend time get, receiving prayer over the, either it's a praise, hey, thank you, Lord. I just want to just pray and, and th- thank you, Lord. Or, hey, this is what's going on. Receive prayer. Why wouldn't you? That's one way of coming at the feet of Christ. It's available every single time. And I just want to say this say much. This, I just want to say this much. Excuse me. The gospel is not about a concept. All right, we talked about this. It's a very personal thing. It's about a person. His name is Christ Jesus. Do you love me? Pretty basic concept. Even the people of Japan understood what I was talking about. Relationship, deep relationship. And really what I eventually told some of them is, hey, look, that relationship may be great with people, but only that relationship with your creator, Jesus Christ, yes, Usama, is the one that's going to fill that big old hole in your heart. Right? We understand this. You know, it's not a cultural thing. All of people understand this. It doesn't matter where you go, what continent you go. We understand this. John 11, 25, 26. I'm just going to end up with it. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am life itself. He who believes in me, puts her trust in me, will live even if he dies physically, spiritually, you'll live forever. And everyone who lives and believes, puts their trust in me, full trust in me, will never die. You mean, you're going to die physically, but spiritually you'll never die. Do you believe this? This is what he asked Martha. This is what he's asking you today. So what an awesome Sunday. I mean, I get to preach. That's great. It's an A plus in itself, but it's A plus plus that we get to do communion today. We get to do communion today. And this, we, this, we do this every Sunday, first Sunday. What a great thing that I get to, it falls on this day. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is your life? So as you come for communion, let's focus in on that love relationship with Christ Jesus. Let's focus in on his love for you. Focus in on that, how he wept for Mary, Martha, and really all of us, for all of history of the world. Let that increase your love for him. Come with that personal faith. Come with that personal Come sit at the feet of Jesus and how he died for us. Beat up, murdered, mangled. He, we understand this. This is one thing that we understand. He understands betrayal. He understands disrespect. He understand, understands physical pain. He understands full-scale assault by Satan on temptation. If you're going through temptation, he understands how you feel. He understands how death of friends feel like. Lazarus is dead. He understands most important what it feels like to die on the cross. This is why we come here, to remember his broken body and shed blood for us. So as you come here, let's prepare our hearts here. The gospel is about a person. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to uh, preach your son, Jesus. Thank you for this very personal part of Scripture how you tell us about how you love on Martha and Mary and really all of us. 
how you actually care about the struggles and the issues of life, this, this world full of sin. Thank you, Father. I pray you continue to complete our theology, round out our theology, that you are a person, that you love us, you care for us right now, and we could come to your feet and, and bring all our cares and concerns to you, Lord. That you actually care, you love us. So, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to take communion, and what a privilege it is to do this. So, Father, I pray that we will come with right hearts, that we will come to the communion table in a very personal way, very meaningful way, very emotional way because we believe, Lord Jesus, that you are a friend and that you care for us and you died for us. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to take communion. May you be glorified. May we have right hearts before you. In Jesus' name, amen.